0: Burrow fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it! Wow! takes it all the
1: way! DJ Moore has a pant to the end zone! Jonathan Taylor! Touchdown! And it's caught!
2: Dix! Touchdown! NFL Week 17, the fantasy playoff finals for pretty much all formats, Dynasty, best and so on. And we got some massive performances this week when things have it's not all said and done there's monday night football and we're going to talk about that in a little bit with some of these contests and how they might play out but we got a massive kind of second half from tom brady mike evans is a huge day we have um austin eckler just you know tearing things down with his performance christian mccaffrey brandon ayuk Devontae adams has a, a massive performance with George Stidham at quarterback after Derek Carr is obviously not there so lots of stuff to, to talk through on today's show and one of those things Sean we want to start off with is uh how excited we we are I don't know how uh Pat Corrine is doing at the moment is his heart like about to explode there just beep 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 and then boom because uh ship chasing with Peter Overzet Ben was on with them uh, Mike Leone was on with them and of course Pat Corrine was on as they watched the last part of the second slate of games yesterday and they were looking through the team seeing how the scores were updating and uh my heart was beating like that sean so i can only imagine what pat is feeling at the moment and give them a shout out they are going to be live streaming monday night football for that final sweat for pat to see if he can take down the the two million dollar top prize over at uh, and the best ball mini over at underdog fantasy but sean I'm excited. I, I just, I don't think I could take the excitement if I was in fourth place.
1: <laughs> it's really, really cool. And obviously having known Pat for a long time, it's just so awesome. And a huge congratulations to him, regardless of how it turns out. I mean, there are a lot of people drafting a lot of teams and I mean, it is possible just to kind of randomly draft teams and, and hit on things. But I mean, Pat is awesome at fantasy football and, I mean, his work has been impressing me for years and years and years and years. He's also one of the coolest guys, one of the friendliest guys. Obviously he comes on over time from time to time and does an incredible job. I just, it, it couldn't happen to someone who number one is a better person and number two is just so good at fantasy football. And so I really, yeah, I mean, you just fired up for it i mean it, it's it's the coolest thing so congratulations to him to everyone else who has had a fantastic week 17. we know there are lots of great stories out there lots of people in the ot community the Rotoviz community the ceilandvannis community all of those different things having just a a great week 17 a great 2002 and Colin. as we turn the page now into 2023 I mean, this was just a great way to end it and a great way to start it, right? This is absolutely perfect. Yeah. I, I, the, the My favorite thing, too, about looking this team up, right, is that, I mean, what's one of the scores that's currently in his lineup?
2: Taekwon Thornton.
1: Taekwon Thornton is in the lineup. I mean,
2: he's going to win somebody a lot of money, you said, Sean.
1: Who would have guessed that it was going to be $2 million to Patrick Crane? And the funny thing is, I mean, obviously, Pat looks to be in pretty good shape. We, you know, it's easier to say that if you're not the person who has to you know, live through the, those last 24 hours, what have you. But you and I are going to have Tyquan Thornton in our lineup. It looks like we're going to finish close to last in the, <laughs> the Superflex uh, finals there. But when he almost caught that second touchdown, I mean, this was early enough in the game, there's still, still a lot of things could have happened. But if you get him like into your lineup with a big score, then, I mean, you're feeling like everything is going to turn uh, up roses. And, you're... and so when he – I mean, it wasn't exactly that he bobbled. It, it was the pass that he was going to have to bat up in the air to himself to catch. But when that foot went out of bounds before it came back in, uh, that was the loudest I got on Sunday. So anyway, just imagine if it comes in like one point or two and Tyquan Thornton had you know inches for a second touchdown there. He was open on a deep play in that game as well. And Mac Jones missed him by half a mile. So we'll see if this is something where it leads into a big second year for Tyquan. I think it's still pretty up in the air for him there, but hilarious to the other thing. And Pat actually has two New England Patriots wide receivers in his lineup, which you probably wouldn't have guessed for the team that wins at all. But the play before Jacoby Myers scores when they more or less didn't cover him, the Patriots are sitting there. They're about to hand the ball off for a touchdown. I don't know why they call it timeout. They also have Tyquan Thornton's out there waving his arms saying, I'm uncovered. They've got a guy uncovered. They've got a run play that's going to (laughs) work, and they call timeout. So, I mean, it still worked out. They still score. But the Patriots have some things to work through, even though they do win the game today against a Miami Dolphins team that, like so many teams and like so many fantasy teams, is now without multiple quarterbacks such a crazy day call
2: a crazy day and you mentioned that, that that was aired in the day that was a pretty fun moment and then obviously it didn't lead to points but always exciting when we see Thornton getting involved in the action and Sean that wasn't the place I was going to start but you've kind of touched on a couple of different aspects of it that is the the Dolphins losing by those two points to the New England Patriots Patriots now eight and eight the Dolphins eight and eight and eight. a Dolphins team who aired in the season looked like they were going to be real contenders obviously now they have two missing this week teddy bridgewater plays it has to be a tough season for dolphins watchers with how it started versus how it's kind of going at this point point. and the the patriots now looking like they're going to sneak their way into the playoffs you did mention obviously thornton he gets 60 yards touchdown seven targets three receptions hunter henry involved as well jacoby myers the other player that you mentioned in pat's lineup he has nine targets six for 48 and one touchdown going his way the player that you had mentioned, some difficult decisions today, whether to, to start or not start, and he's also in that lineup off Pats that's you know sitting at the top of that leaderboard. That was Raheem Mostert. He goes nine for 29 on the ground, but has eight targets, eight receptions, sixty-two yards, and a touchdown. This was also a day where some of the elite options at certain positions didn't really have the day to pull those teams, maybe that people were hoping over the line Ramondre Stevenson. Doesn't have a big day, but Tyreek Hill and also Jalen Waddle kept pretty quiet by the Patriots in this one. Uh, Patriots with a, a really strong defense overall. But what are some of your, your key thoughts coming out of this one?
1: Yeah, they weren't able to get the ball to Hill the way they needed to. Only gets the seven targets. He does have one play that he would like back where he lets the ball glance off of his hands. The ball is picked, and that more or less does seal the game for the Patriots They're The last... Score by Miami comes at the very end of the game. Didn't really affect the outcome unless they'd had some sort of miracle onside kick recovery. Once you get down to the third QB, especially if he doesn't really get a chance to prepare for this game, it's going to be difficult. It does lead to Mostert playing a lot in the passing game. He leads the team with the eight catches. He scores a touchdown through the air. All of that a little bit of a surprise. When you consider his background or his profile coming into the game, it's not that he can't catch passes. It's just not the normal way that they have played things. Obviously with Jalen Waddle having the big game a week ago with Tyreek Hill having the fantastic season, you're hoping that if you have those guys, they'll come through for you. These teams did do a nice job of taking away sort of the main threat on the opposite side. Vermont Stevenson has the eight carries, as you mentioned, and it wasn't that he was necessarily inefficient and yet he didn't look like himself he has the four targets he only catches the two passes they split the workload very evenly between stevenson and damian harris it ends up being a game where mac jones throws 33 times did some decent things he continues to miss he is wanting to attack a little bit deeper he throws some targets down the field to taekwondo me we mentioned that he has a good game he only caught three of his seven targets they were more effective throwing to Hunter Henry, to Jacoby Myers. I'm excited for how this passing game will eventually develop, but even with the victory here, they still have a lot of things they're need to work on with their offense. You feel bad for the Dolphins. Obviously, the main thing that we're concerned about long-term is Tua's health, and we hope that his brain health will be okay there. What we've witnessed with so many of these teams now, though, is that if you don't have him and you have to start from scratch, it's going to be very difficult even when you have those weapons in terms of a waddle, in terms of a hill. There aren't going to be that many situations in that many games where you have something like the 49ers Raiders game today where you have Mr. Irrelevant going against another deep backup quarterback. There was a lot of enthusiasm for Jarrett Stidham once he started this game out On fire actually had a chance to play him in some super flex spots today and did not take it because of the Raiders situation and the defense they were facing that obviously would have worked out better unfortunately or I should say fortunately those teams still come through with the victories but yeah I mean you're not gonna get that very often I don't think the Raiders are under any impression that they have the future of their quarterback position just because of the good game today but Colin, things were all over the place. You think about that Raiders-49ers game. The Raiders were really close to pulling off the upset. It would have been an unbelievable blow for the 49ers when you consider that they had a chance to move back into the two-seed, threatened for the one-seed with the Eagles going down in flames today. And we just have to look back to last week where Gardner Minshew actually looked pretty good. They don't win against the Dallas Cowboys, but he is not the issue. Fast forward a week till today. And just very difficult to stack even solid games, much less big games, even for above-average starters. For backups, it's that much more difficult. We saw the Saints really take the Eagles apart, and now the NFC playoff picture up at the top starting to get very interesting.
2: Yeah, starting to get very very close, starting to get very muddy, and we'll be hitting on those games as we go through. But you mentioned the Raiders game, and that's where we're going to to go to next. And we buried the lead, Sean, at the start. It is twenty (laughs) twenty-three. So happy new year to everyone listening <laughs> as they settle into a new year but number 23 was a big part of this game that was christian mccaffrey on the 49ers side he's 121 rushing yards one touchdown six receptions for 79 yards then through the air and christian mccaffrey has been tremendous uh, since that move from the carolina panthers and the 49ers is since that have really been on a, a roll they are now 12 and 4 on the season but this was a game that I don't think people thought it was going to be this close going into it and it was very very close up to the overtime point where they get the win lid on with the field goal stedham as you mentioned did start off hot i don't think a lot of us were predicting 365 yards and three touchdowns for him in this one had some very impressive throws got a little bit lucky at times as well but did have two interceptions josh jacobs 69 yards one touchdown i know a lot of people will be relying on him this week it was good to see darren waller get back involved he had five targets just in this game but three receptions 72 yards and a, a touchdown That coming pretty early in this one but Devontae adams sean we talked to i mentioned there the christian mccaffrey trade the trade that kind of obviously stings still with me a little bit is the Devontae adams trade from the green bay packers but he gets 11 targets seven receptions 153 two touchdowns and he earned every yard and every point of that 153 yards and two touchdowns spectacular touchdown plays for both of them some amazing catches throughout this game one of those been kind of a a little bit of a busted coverage after an extended play by Stedham for a 60-yard touchdown but Adams now Sean on the season just has continued to dominate we know the issues that the Raiders have had but his 95 receptions 1443 yards and 14 touchdowns so it's just like whatever's happening here with the Raiders (laughs) and how it's not working for them at the minute they're six and ten there's not much that i don't think that can fall on Devonte Adams' shoulders because he has been fantastic a, a real fantasy superstar again this year which he has been for the last number of years the other fantasy superstar at the wide receiver position in this sean and, and obviously it's benefited him over the last month or so that uh, debo samuel hasn't been in but 12 targets nine receptions 101 and one touchdown for brandon ayuk as well so this game really had some some major fantasy implications across all formats for people whether you played these guys obviously you were playing them if you had the option but you may have played against them and that may have sunk some of your your chances this year this had a, a lot to talk about this game
1: it did you mentioned all of those <laughs> yards receptions touchdowns Amazing. for Devonte adams and i mean if you didn't see this game it really is hard to convey just how dominant he was he makes one of the greatest contested catches in the end zone that you'll see he obviously creates the long touchdown for 60 yards there (laughs) he averages almost 22 yards a catch he's fighting through obviously double and triple teams over the middle of the field to make plays in the second half it just an incredible effort and when you think about the fact that Derek carr has ostensibly played poorly enough to get benched and now you're playing in week 17 with a backup who is not considered to be an NFL talent. But number one, the game today, and then number two, the full season within that context, as you mentioned, it's definitely not Devontae Adams. Then you go to the other side there, Brandon Ayuk, one of those players we're recommending because, and this was one of the interesting things that we talked about on a couple of shows recently, and Dom mentioned on Stealing Bananas, but just this idea of when you have a couple of guys on a team And on their team, for example, last year that ran away with the FFPC main event, they had Debo Samuel with Ayuk being the more expensive of the two guys there. This year on their team that is very well positioned, and, and Colin, I don't want to get us too far off the track here, but it kind of looks like it's going to boil down to whether Devin Singletary, one of our favorites, can score 12 points or not to determine... That $1 million. If I have that wrong, (laughs) please uh, forgive me on that one. Just a chance to glance at the leaderboard quickly before doing the show. But obviously, those two guys putting them in position in the situations in those cases that when you have kind of a 1A and 1B and you have a very large gap in the price. Even if you do think that the, the guy who's considered to be the 1am more expensive is the star and is more likely to have the big season, you're going to want to load up and make sure you have plenty of exposure to the second player. Ayuk is someone who obviously had the struggles last year and then came on this season. He's in the mix with Debo and George Kittle. Then once you bring Christian McCaffrey, there's so many mouths to feed and the quarterback play not expected to be necessarily that good, at least from a passing perspective with Trey Lance. Then you go to Jimmy Garoppolo, who, even though the 49ers have had such a good season, played poorly. I mean, this is the worst that I've seen Garoppolo play this year, really, in his entire career. Then you go to Mr. Irrelevant, who's been able to manage the games well, but hasn't been explosive. That's one of the reasons why the Raiders were up 10. so yet another game in which the Raiders blow a 10-point lead. In many of those cases, I don't think that you can necessarily accuse them of choking. The other team is going to continue to play sometime the way that the possessions fall out. I mean, you get up by 10, the other team immediately scores. It's back to being a close game. It doesn't mean that you you know, massively choked a game away. Obviously, that was not the perspective or it was not the impression that you're at all left with this. One. Obviously, the 49ers come back. The Raiders did not give it away. And you, you look at Ayuk where he has been this season he's had the opportunity to assert himself mostly hasn't really done it and yet all of those reports you were getting in training camp this year that were similar to you know back even when he came out as a rookie as a first round pick and people say he is uncoverable that's the way he looked in this one he draws the 12 targets he catches nine of them he does have another drop in this game he's able to work over the middle of the field he's able to work through double coverage he's able to work down the field and he caught some deeper passes in the key moments in this one he scores the touchdown it's going to continue to be difficult over the long term with him because you're going to have a limited pie and that pie is going to be split and we don't know how good the quarterback play is going to be in the future and yet brandon ayuk himself i just i don't think that we have questions this isn't a guy that we're going to talk about in the same breath with the a Stefan Diggs, you know, a Justin Jefferson, even with what happened today. But in the next tier, that's where you're going to put Ayuk. He's going to be a very solid receiver with upside for the 49ers for a long time.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
2: We're going to move around the rest kind of the nfc playoff picture now for a little bit and sean the Washington commanders lost this week so that meant that then there was an opportunity that was one of the the many scenarios we we joked about this sean probably a month six weeks ago the packers had a three percent chance of making the playoffs one of the kind of final things to put destiny in their own hands was for the commanders to lose they do lose to the cleveland browns and that meant that the the door was wide open for both the packers and the seahawks after that so I don't normally do this sean but i am going all in on the the surgeon packers here i was all the way out they dragged me all the way back in and that's going to lead to the playoff picture here in the nfc west and that's going to be brought to you by WinBet. you can sign up today to receive a special sports offer bet 100 win 100 download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning sean the packers blew the doors off the the vikings here it finishes 41 17 this game was even more out of hand before those lit touchdowns for the minnesota vikings i want to give a shout out last week i mentioned the packers not taking advantage of a massive kick return against the miami dolphins i think it was a 95 yard kick return in that game from Keyshawn nixon the packers settled for field goal there he wasn't given the opportunity for them not to get the points this week he took it all the way to the end zone early in this one kind of a an interesting kind of play out where the Packers really make a mess of a punt. They they down it at their own one yard line. They stand the Vikings. It goes for a field goal, and then the next play is that return. Then they get a defensive return for a touchdown on a, a pick six. And this game really just kind of continued to snowball out of control for the Minnesota Vikings. What that led to was not huge days from any of the Packers' offensive players. We do get 111 yards from Aaron Jones on 14 carries, but they kind of in a conservative way we're able to control this game and continue to eke it out to get to those 41 points but i'll let you go through it, sean but a, a kind of another disaster and a major spot here from kirk cousins they had a chance to try and close that gap for the number one seed but he turns the ball over three times in this and uh, i talked with the green bay packers in the the off season about having this strong defense it didn't work all season long but the last two weeks they they've been pretty good
1: They have been pretty good. You get that pass breakup early on from giant Alexander and he
2: does the gritty. Yeah. I I mean, that was going to go one or two ways after that, Sean, that could have, that could have been memed for, for the rest of the week. If he doesn't get that done.
1: Well, and I do like the fact that he has the confidence to do it, knowing that he's more than likely going to be lit up after that, but that he does then hold on. It is, I mean, very junior high and you're like, I mean, Jire, you're one of the best players in the NFL. Act like you've been there before. I mean, the thing that he's coming off of is getting smoked in the first game of the season. So that's fresh in his memory. I don't know. Most of the touchdown celebrations, including Justin Jefferson's, and I say this as a massive Justin Jefferson fan, so it's not in any way against him. It's just they don't entertain me that much. And it's never a bad time, Colm, to mention that you... Watch some Barry Sanders highlights on YouTube. I mean, Barry Sanders, when he scored, and he did often as the greatest running back in NFL history, he would he would take the ball and he would jog over to the official and hand it to him. And it was the biggest power play in all of sports. There's never been a method of sending to the defense that I completely and totally own you. That when he would score all those touchdowns, he would just jog over to the official. Barry Sanders expected to score. He knew he was the greatest player on the planet. He had nothing to prove to anyone. Some of these guys, I think, would be a little bit better off. But hand hand the ball to the official. It, It probably has nothing to do with all the really dirty hits and all of that. But I don't know. I was impressed by the Packers. I was pleased that your guys played so well. They had a fantastic day. Christian Watson, whom we were obviously rooting for, managed to drop some some long passes he continues to be a little bit of a work in progress but the Packers didn't need him in this game this was sort of old school Aaron Rodgers where he's just dancing around he only needs to throw for 160 yards he gets himself a rushing touchdown Aaron Jones goes off for 111 yards they get a rushing touchdown to A.J. Dillon who otherwise is stuffed cold throughout the entire game you get Robert Tanyan in there scoring I, I, there's nothing really to stay on the other side we've said all your life I mean there was a point a couple weeks ago where Kirk Cousins, as the guy who gets to throw to Justin Jefferson, was averaging fewer yards per attempt than Russell Wilson. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's nothing more to add on here other than this was a huge game from a fantasy football perspective. You look at all the teams that had Cousins with Jefferson in ball tournament finals, had Cousins with Hawkinson, even though obviously that's not something you would set up since there was an in-season trade. Some teams are going to have all three of those guys. This could have been a blow-up spot for them. We watched this happen a couple weeks ago, where they get down at halftime to the Indianapolis Colts, there was no one who felt the same way in this game because the Packers, even with the struggles that they have had, are not the Colts. You knew that the Vikings were not going to be able to dominate the ball in the second half. You knew that they were going to have a hard time even getting things going. You do still get a very solid game here from TJ Hawkinson, who I, I don't know. We're so biased that it's a little bit trickier, but he does have the seven receptions. He's targeted 12 times. He gets open constantly. He made some tough catches in this one. I I think he's going to be the guy that you want in dynasty leagues and in redraft tight end premium leagues going forward. We'll see what his price jumps to in this offense. And yet the whole time, I mean, you're never going to be able to relax with these guys. You're never going to feel that same level of confidence with a Justin Jefferson that you could say with a Jamar Chase or a Cooper Cup or players like that. Because. I mean, Kirk Cousins can barely throw the ball across the line of scrimmage. The lack of arm strength, in addition to the accuracy and the decision-making, all of those things are very obvious in this game. Ben mentioned it even earlier this week when we were doing our show on Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, obviously. I mean, what more is there to say other than, I mean, if the Washington Commanders had gone to Sam Howell, they're probably in the playoffs this season. But they didn't, and they're not
2: an update there just for anyone that was wondering uh Carson Wentz still not good at football
1: <laughs> still not just good so. at football and still still a starting quarterback right I mean Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield are going to start somewhere next year there's no level that they can play to that they will not continue to start football games I and mean, what both of those guys need is to sit on the sidelines for 10 years and maybe you can come back and be Geno Smith but don't keep throwing them out there and failing in the present day yeah Congratulations to the Packers. They look great. They're now in control of their own destiny. I like the Lions to defeat them next week. And that will put the Seattle Seahawks, unfortunately, in the playoffs for those Lions fans. The
2: picture is pretty interesting. So the the commanders are now out, even to the surprise of Ron Rivera, who in his post-game press conference didn't realize that they could be eliminated if the Packers won, if they happen to lose this week. But we get the Lions with a win then we don't get the Seahawks for the win so it's all very very tight in this run all teams at eight and eight at this particular point Sean I think we'll we'll hit on the Lions because they were the the team that obviously had another dominant performance here they went 41 10 to the Chicago Bears and it is an amazing story with where they were at the midpoint of the season to where they are now and Jared Goff continues to Know kind of the Geno Smith tour that we talked about and how his comeback had happened. Jared Goff has really uh, rehabbed his ability or his value this season, um, in 2022, heading into 2023. Here, obviously, he gets three touchdowns, 255 yards in this one. Amon Ross St. Brown leads the way with five targets, four receptions, Mm -hmm. 62 yards. So, we don't get any big days overall through the air. What's interesting is. The backup tight ends since Hawkinson has left this offense have had a, a couple of really good weeks here. We get Brock Wright with two touchdowns and three receptions for 13 yards, but Goff continues to to get the job done. DeAndre Swift I thought looked really dynamic in this game. He gets 78 rushing yards, one touchdown. But Jamal Williams also 22 carries for him in this one, but he gets 144 yards and one touchdown. And I do think when you see both of those guys in there, there is a clear difference, and it's it's clear who the better running back is, but jamal williams continues to get it done including a 58 yard long in this game justin fields really tough day for him through the air just the 75 passing yards on 21 attempts with seven completions he has 132 yards on the ground on 10 carries but 100 of those coming in the, the first quarter so uh things really slowed down after that particular point the the leading bears receiver in this was Cole Komet, one touchdown 27 yards two receptions the story sean here though is the bear season has been over for quite some time i do think Risking Justin Fields in these last games probably isn't the best for the future of their organization, but Jared Goff continues to, to get the job done, and I guess we'll say Jamal Williams continues to get the job done as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned risking him, I don't think it makes sense. He seemed shaken up after the 60-yard run that put them in position to take a 14-7 lead. They don't get in on that, so it ends up going up 10-7, to and from that point, they're absolutely rolled by the Detroit Lions there. I mean, seven for twenty-one and seventy-five yards. He takes seven sacks, but the people he's throwing to, right? You have Byron Pringle leads the team in targets with four, catches zero passes, which is kind of what you expect from Byron Pringle. You have Equinemius St. Brown, who I mean his brother's playing on the opposite sideline, but I mean they're very different guys. Equinemius catches two for 20. Right? These are the guys who are leading the team. Nikhil Harry has one target, catches it for 16 yards. He's the second leading. Receiver. That's obviously separating Cole Komet out, but it doesn't really matter if you separate Cole Komet because he just goes two for 27. They they have nothing over there. Dante Pettis has a target and obviously drops it. The embarrassment level for the Bears and what they have done in constructing that offense should be just absolutely through the roof. It it makes you feel bad for him. And you, you say this is a guy who needs to develop as a passer, needs to develop within the context of this particular team no one that he is going to be playing with on a competitive bears team is on this roster the bears are probably like to think that it's chase claypool but chase claypool was traded from the pittsburgh steelers because I mean he is not a good player the things that he did early in his rookie year are a fluke he wasn't a good player in college he's very athletic when he had a star veteran quarterback and not really a star at that point but Ben Roethlisberger was able to create some value for him at a time when they were missing some other pieces. His play has deteriorated in a big way since then. There's not really any reason to believe that he would bounce back. Obviously some other things going on there. When you change teams, when you have been hurt, I mean, Chase Claypool is also not hundred percent, but we can even take him out of the story here and look at the rest of these guys and they need a full new team. He should sit in week 18. So he doesn't get hurt. He's not going to get any better. He's not going to learn anything on this particular offense. You mentioned Jared Goff, 21 for 29. He doesn't get to 300 yards today, but in part that's because they're gashing the Bears, who obviously also traded away their best defensive players because they're in the beginning of what probably will be a very extended rebuild. Jamal Williams, one of the least athletic running backs in the NFL and yet does have a 22 carry day with 144 yards. You know when you're giving up that kind of yardage to him. That your defense has some holes and it's like you're playing seven eight guys as opposed to the full 11. deandre swift looked good again probably not fair to give him credit if you're not going to give the same thing to jamal williams but the key thing there he does get the four targets he catches all of them goes for 39 yards and a touchdown So you look at the Detroit Lions and how they're playing that running back group with Jamal Williams taking so many high value touches this year. One of the leaders in the entire league in green zone touches. He does get the short yardage touchdown on this one. In addition to the 21 other carries that he has, he'll be a free agent after the season with how well he's played. And with the fact that DeAndre Swift, Appears to function the best. And I say appears, it's not really the case that he needs to have a compliment. It's mostly just needs to stay healthy. But since you have multiple seasons now in which he's dealt with some injuries that seem like they could be chronic, I don't think the Detroit Lions are necessarily building the entire offense around him. That part is unfortunate because there are very few two maybe two or three backs in the NFL who bring his combination of rushing and receiving ability, the explosiveness on both sides and i don't know if there's a back in the entire nfl other than say christian mccaffrey who bizarrely dropped a pass today you don't never see that but other than christian mccaffrey deandre Swift, probably the most comfortable pass catching back in the entire nfl obviously there are guys like an austin eckler who can do it at a level and at a volume that swift hasn't demonstrated to this point but when you have that profile and when you're so both areas, you'd love to have Swift be the guy who's getting all the touches here. I don't know that we're going to see that. I don't know that we're going to be able to draft DeAndre Swift at the first, second-round turn next season. But this game, encouraging Jamal Williams, wherever he is, will be one of the best handcuffs in football. I think when you're looking at the situation with guys like Amon Ra, DJ Chark, you're looking to the future with Jamison Williams, you're hoping that there aren't that many games where the starting running backs combine for 33 carries, you want to have a little bit more volume in the passing game. This offense projects to be even more explosive next season. One of the plays that they kind of worked into this game, and Jameson Williams gets three targets, doesn't catch any of them, but he goes on an end around for 40 yards. He's going to be a big part of it. The mild deterioration of Amon Ra's role down the stretch and especially in this game, and again, one of the things that happened here is that when you win 41 to 10, you don't need your receivers late in the game. You get game scripted out a little bit. But the way that this lion's offense is now drawn up includes so many different pieces. It's so creative. Jerry Goff dropping back, very little time to throw the pre-snap reads more or less perfect as you go through these games and so you just do get a very diverse offense where you have dj chart goes for 56 yards Khalif raymond has three targets catches all of them for 40 you get james mitchell involved brock wright involved you mentioned the tight ends over the last two weeks these backup tight ends for the lions have combined for five touchdowns you need some of that yardage going to Raw. even a very solid player like josh reynolds only gets one target in this game the 20 23 version of the Detroit Lions is going to be very interesting. It's unfortunate they blew that game to the Panthers and they dug themselves such a big hole by losing so many close games early in the season. Many of those close games to very good teams. This is going to be the best team that misses the playoffs. That's unfortunate. It's also unfortunate that a lot of teams that are anywhere close to them are going to get in because of what the structure is. But the structure is good. There's no problem with that. It's just it's too bad if you're a Detroit Lions fan or a Detroit Lions player because they are one of the best stories in the NFL. And if they were able to get through, I think it would be good for
2: football. Final team in the mix for that kind of equation that we're trying to figure out who is that team getting in to the playoffs. It is the Seattle Seahawks. They faced off against the New York Jets today. And this was a game where we were wondering how the Jets defense would you know slow down the, the Seahawks. And they, they really didn't. And it started out pretty hot for Geno Smith. He finishes with two touchdowns for 183 yards. He had those two touchdowns really early in this one and we talked about on the previous shows he is foundation piece of the, our super flex team sean already mentioned that that team is unlikely to win closer to finish near the bottom half but we'll see how it plays out but gino starts off what if
1: with, we get 70 points from t higgins? that's
2: all we need is 70 points from t higgins uh, and we'll see if we get back into the the mix but gino starts off hot here sean and i'm thinking hmm, maybe a four touchdown game here maybe we we start to get back into contention but that didn't happen but they didn't need to do it and th- that's the case with the lions game we're after talking about very similar to the packers game where these teams i guess looking to get into the playoffs showed that they're playing good football complementary football on both sides of the ball and really just got the the job done without having to really overextend themselves too much that led to them being able to run the ball very consistently with kenneth walker having a strong game he kicks this off with a, a 60 yard rush to start things off does finish with 133 yards we get dj dallas involved in it dj dallas also leads the way in the receiving game he has four targets three receptions 55 yards and that again leads you to see that there wasn't a huge amount of production from the star guys like a, a tighter Lockett, like a dk metcalf metcalf finishing with five targets one reception for three yards does have a near touchdown that that didn't come off but it really revolved around the tight ends in the passing game but that was a combination of three tight ends touchdown each going to mowbray one going to kobe parkinson Noah Fant, two for 40 for him the other side the tight end led the way as well six receptions for 80 yards for tyler conklin on the other side but i of that not a huge amount happening here just the, the seahawks get the job done mike white had a difficult day 240 passing yards and two interceptions no touchdowns for him it wasn't a huge amount in this sean other than the seahawks led the way and kenneth walker continues to look to luck explosive these these are some of the players that it's going to be interesting to see where their uh, adp starts to set as we enter into draft season next year you mentioned hawkinson where he lands at the tight end position kenneth walker is another one that is very very intriguing with you know very successful rookie season here
1: it is and at one point i had him up to i believe the running back four in dynasty because he has this explosive ability he has a 60 yard run early goes for 133 yards against an elite defense he's got that power as well along with the big play ability one of the things he struggled with at times in the interim and has fallen a little bit again is that he's still got a little bit of the college mindset where he's trying to bounce some plays and he's trying to create big plays when they're not there losing some chunk yardage putting the team in difficult down and distance situations where you really need to push through get the one two yards and make sure you continue to hit the hole so when it's there you can rip off these 60 and 70 yard runs the other issue for him is that he is not continued to emerge in the receiving game he just has the one target which he does catch in this one and The Seahawks offense has taken a mild step back as the season has progressed. Now what they did in this game was impressive because the Jets defense is so good, but you can still see some of the issues that are coming out here. If you were told before the game that DK Metcalf was going to catch one pass for three yards and that Tyler Lockett was going to catch two passes for 15 yards, you wouldn't have said, you wouldn't have been hugely surprised. We, again, That's what this Jets secondary is capable of doing. Metcalf had a couple of near misses, a couple of long plays he would probably like to have back. But they weren't no-brainer plays. They weren't drops. They were plays where he would have had to make an elite catch in traffic, in many cases with multiple guys hanging off of him. But that's how good the passes were from Geno Smith, that he gave him a couple of those chances. But I think that's, again, kind of the evolution of this Seattle team where there have been some peaks and valleys this season for them, and yet where they are now, with the accuracy that Gino is showing, with the decision-making that he is capable of, when you have that explosive running back, and then you have those complementary pieces where, yeah, I mean, most games, if you're going to win, you're going to need Metcalf and Lockett to do more than they did here. But you do have the tight ends. This was a game where... Fant ends up being one of the leaders with just the two catches and 40 yards, but he had a play where, I mean, again, if he makes a hero play on it, he would score a touchdown. It was a beautifully thrown ball where only he had a shot at it, probably a little bit of pass interference on it, but not the kind of play you're necessarily going to get as the offensive guy in that situation. But mostly what they did was perfectly manage a game in which their defense showed up to play. Pete Carroll has been the brunt of a lot of jokes and has taken a lot of criticism for some of the negative things that have happened in Seattle over the years. And yet again, this is yet another day where the contrast between Gino and the quarterback they traded away couldn't be starker and what they've been able to do as they've rebuilt this defense. I have to give a lot of credit to Dave Cabin and the passing matchup Raider in terms of being prepared for how this game was going to play out and just how strong the Seattle secondary was the, the PMR numbers for the Jets receivers were terrible going into this. It gave me some nightmares in terms of thinking about what we might see from Garrett Wilson. And yet I still wasn't prepared for him to only catch three out of 11 balls. He had a drop today. He was non-competitive on some balls that I think Mike White would have liked to have said were 50-50 balls, where in the end it was much more a 70-30 and they're lucky they didn't end up with more interceptions. But this was a weird game where the Jets come out, and they've had the Knight running well. They've got Michael Carter, who supposedly was so good in the offseason and was coming off of a very strong rookie year to where he was starting ahead of Brees Hall, which sounds absurd. And yet they come out in this game with Ty Johnson as sort of the focal point. That tips you off right away that maybe there's something wrong with the preparation and the game plan the Jets have. And that's not to take anything away from Ty Johnson, who is a player I actually like quite a bit. But when you... Start a game here, and you got a third stringer out there. It just is a red flag to everyone. We talk about how it's difficult for backups to stack good performances. And the clock really struck midnight for Mike White in this game today. It's a tough matchup, but it's one where you're thinking the Jets have to win. You're excited to get him back because he's been able to make all the different types of throws. He's able to read the defense and trigger quickly with relatively accurate passes. He's able to move the ball, you know in a Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque sort of way. He's willing to dump the ball down to the running backs and keep the drives going. None of that was on display in this one. What you saw was a guy who seemed very much overmatched and had a weak arm. Those are not the kind of things that you kind of want to put together when you're making a play for your NFL career. That part was heartbreaking for me because he seems like a cool guy. He's done some cool things in this offense. You really want the underdogs to succeed and you're thinking okay if the jets will just stop with the zach wilson experiment then maybe they have their guy you can move on in 2023 and someone who will be able to unlock a garrett wilson and elijah moore what this game really exposed is that the jets have no solutions at the quarterback position this game remained somewhat close because of their elite defense i really thought we were going to get joe flacco because I mean Mike White was so bad and you've got a couple of possessions left who knows what would happen I mean Joe Flacco the Jets would tell you everybody knows who he is as well at this point but it was unfortunate it's not the way that you wanted to see the Jets season to end kind of going down in flames in this game they'd given us so much to root for so many good moments week 17 was not one of
2: them yeah and again continuing on the theme sean of uh, it is a case where like playing at a consistently good level in the nfl is very hard for quarterbacks and then you're facing against these tough defenses and then once there starts to be some things put on tape defenses can you know scheme a little bit to try and work the quarterback into those mistakes and we we've seen that with mike white this week we also seen it with gardner Minshew after he had a, a very nice day last week even though they lost to the cowboys but they lose again this week they're 13 and three on the season Jalen hurts sounds like he might play next week um they did have that little bit of a buffer now with the vikings losing that continues to be the case but the 49ers sean are right on their tail now as well so one game left to go in the season but Minshew 274 yards one touchdown one interception but unlike the other games where we talked about the quarterback struggling he did get the ball to his pass catching elite options and Devontae smith and aj brown 13 targets sean for Devontae smith in this nine receptions 115 yards some of those been very very highly contested catches as well we get aj brown nine targets four receptions 97 yards and a touchdown a massive chunk of that coming on a, a breakaway run for him 78 yard touchdown coming his way and just there's not many players that are as good to watch on those breakaway runs as aj brown yards after the catch and, and what he can do there is Incredibly impressive. On the other side, Sean, the New Orleans Saints put up twenty points. They win this game twenty to ten. Not a lot other things to talk about. The Saints on this side, more of the talking points around those two wide receivers. And I'm hoping that they have an exciting run here in the playoffs for the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts back. But this offense looks to be extremely exciting and will be one of the most popular again for 2023 and redraft.
1: It definitely will, and part of that is that Devonte Smith cannot be covered. He looked much more similar to that Heisman Trophy performance. You think about the uh, CFB playoffs back a couple years ago where he goes for 200 yards in the first half and gets hurt. I mean, that's what he's doing against NFL defenders at this point. And then A.J. Brown, you can't let him get over the top. He has the 78-yard touchdown in this game, almost all of his value coming on the one play. But that's what A.J. Brown does for you is he has a player – where you don't have to have the elite volume you occasionally get the elite volume and when you do then you get those 30 40 point smash games but he can put one up like this even without needing a huge number of targets now he does get nine targets and catches less than half of them so uh, the volume was not necessarily the issue here it's Gardner Minshew and the offense and the offense getting dominated by the Saints but as you say I mean this is going to be the most popular offense, again, because they do have those three weapons and because of what Jalen Hurts clearly is the catalyst for at this point. This game, they ran the ball a little bit too much early. but Part of it is just, you know, if you're going to go three and out on your first three possessions and get yourself buried, then you don't have really anything to work with. And that's going to be especially the case when the Saints are able to run the ball as effectively as. As they do, they pull out the Taysom Hill trump card, and this one get a rushing touchdown for him. You end up overall with the 19 first downs for the Saints, only 11 for the Eagles, only two rushing first downs for the Eagles in this game. This is a, a game where, again, in part because of the long play to A.J. Brown, the Eagles end up averaging more than a yard more per play. That's not necessarily... What it's all about. The other interesting thing here is that the young, undrafted rookie free agent, Rashid Shahid has an, another explosive game leading the New Orleans Saints in receiving with six for 79. Catches all six of the targets. If they had needed more, there possibly would have been more for him. Mostly what the Saints are trying to do in this game is kill the clock. And they were very effective doing it. Yeah, that.
2: and you mentioned Shahid there. Um what, uh... Kind of hinted at any thoughts longer term for him with what he's shown recently?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they put together the depth chart and the overall roster for next season. It's a very strong positive for him that someone like a Marquez Callaway is a healthy and active in this game. Obviously, Chris Olave is going to be the guy. Olave has been impressive in terms of air yards in so many games this season. He's delivered more overall volume than I think many of us. We're expecting with lava you're kind of looking at him as being sort of a wide receiver 25 type of player where he falls maybe just outside the wide receiver one and then the wide receiver two tiers. That I think has to be adjusted up based on his rookie season. And maybe he even goes to the wide receiver one, wide receiver two borderline, but he's not necessarily the big time alpha. I wouldn't really expect him to continue to emerge to the level of a Devontae Smith, for example. I think he'll be a little bit below that. You're going to need Complimentary pieces in this offense, regardless of who you build it around. And the Saints are another one of these teams where Alvin Kamara probably in the twilight of his time with the Saints. You look at Andy Dalton, who plays a fantastic game here. You look at Taysom Hill, who's a great complementary piece. And yet, those guys probably don't factor into the next Saints playoff team. This team is going to look so different over the next two or three seasons. I think Shahid's going to get an opportunity there. If he's able to step up and kind of hold his place in the pecking order and not get pushed back down three or four spots as they are able to add some guys. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a chance. Anytime that you do flash, that you make it to this point already, when you have blazing speed, all of those things really help. We know that it's a tough battle because just like a backup quarterback, the late round picks, the undrafted guys – players who maybe didn't bring this extensive track record at a big time school, all of those things make it. So you have to continue to succeed as opposed to prove that you failed. It's a very different setup. I'd love to see him come through with it.
2: Always interested when Sean just you know, drops in a little name there. Somebody we talked about, we will be talking with him on the next show is last week. We talked about Isaiah Hodgson's for the, the giants. He gets in the end zone again this week weekend, a couple of dynasty leagues I'm involved with. He was, on the waiver wire last week so we'll see how some of these young players at the end of the season it's always interesting to see how they progress and develop sean the final game we're going to talk about today is the kansas city chiefs and the denver broncos the chiefs still in the hunt for that number one seed it's going to be interesting for them watching on for monday night football tonight but they're 13 and 3 on the season this game sean was a lot closer than i think most of us were expecting 27 24 it finishes up at the end russell wilson you know doing some vintage russell wilson things i guess we'll say is a russian touchdown 222 yards passing one touchdown one interception albert O gets a, a flash here with a, a touchdown for him mahomes gets three touchdowns gets his weekly above 300 yards passing performance has a an end zone interception in this one which was a, a little bit of a questionable throw there so we do see that but we also see some of the amazing improvisation again from him this week and he continues to put this team on his back and, and push them towards the playoffs again so overall an interesting game but i think one of the fantasy mvps for the season sean gets another strong performance for his fantasy managers that is Jarek mckinnon gets the five receptions for 20 uh, for 52 yards and two touchdowns for him in this game and he continues to be a a huge part of this offense here as they move forward travis kelsey a quieter day seven for 43 for him and Kadarius tony back healthy and on the field four for 71 going his way what are some of your your key thoughts here from the the Chiefs and the, the Broncos? Other than your your Chiefs get another W,
1: they do get another W. They looked awful in this game. They now have a bunch of games this season where they were barely able to defeat bad teams, extremely poor footballs. Yeah, And the Broncos are about as bad as it gets. It does give you a sense too, though, I think, of just how good Patrick Mahomes is and just how high both the floors and the ceiling happened to be when, I mean, he was terrible in this game compared to his usual standard. You mentioned the end zone interception. He had Marquez Valdez scantling wide open deep, and instead of throwing a Patrick Mahomes type pass, he throws up this little (laughs) pop-up type of target where... By the time the ball got there, the defense had recovered, knocks it away. Then Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets open behind the defense again later, and I think maybe overcompensating, he just guns one like 15 yards over his head, even though, again, I mean, he's he's wide open behind the defense, would have had a walk-in touchdown. I mean, if you wouldn't have ever been starting MVS in any sort of redraft league, no matter what it was today, including if you're playing in the Toilet Bowl Championship in a dynasty league where you're competing for – you know where your first <laughs> rookie pick goes next season, but if you had him in best ball, and again, I mean, teams can get some weird players through into the finals of these. I mean, he gets two catches for 28 yards today, could have easily had six receptions. He does have the seven targets, could have easily had like six receptions for 110 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's how bad Mahomes was. And I mean, usually when you're saying, Well, MVS caught two of his seven passes, you're like, Well, I mean, that's MVS, he's just not a great receiver. You couldn't put those on him today and yet again in the end the Chiefs do come out with the victory some of those guys who were drafted early with the first round picks like George Karloftis making a big push so if you're going to trade Tyreek Hill if you're going to not draft Brees Hall at least those guys are coming through but Colin I mean you mentioned it but the big story in today's game is that Nathaniel Hackett gets fired and immediately Albert O leads the team in receiving I mean, this is the guy that they refused to play all year long. Now, granted, he did have a terrible drop early in the game. And you could understand why. I mean, sure. Hackett is sitting at home. You're like, yeah, that's why he's inactive. He can't catch the ball. But he does lead the Broncos with three receptions, 45 yards. He scores a touchdown. That happens to be better than Cortland Sutton, better than Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy leads the team in receptions, but only gets 38 yards. As someone who is playing Jerry Judy in contests that matter today, you're watching him off the line, wide open constantly. There were plays in today's game. Where Russell Wilson is standing back there in the pocket with no pressure. Jerry Judy is standing 15 yards across the line of scrimmage, uncovered in the zone defense, and is like just clapping his hands. Like <laughs> not to like be a huge distraction, but to let Russell Wilson know that he's available and Russell Wilson throws it to a covered player somewhere else. It just, you know. I actually tried to make the pro Russell Wilson argument on our Stealing Banana show last week it was difficult because there's not a lot of evidence kind of pointing in his favor but this time watching this game and jerry Judy's like hi i'm out here i'm uncovered i've been open all day long you haven't thrown me the ball it made it trickier now you mentioned the rushing touchdowns except for those two rushing touchdowns this was as bad a game as i've seen russell wilson play season. yeah
2: so and I, well yeah that that's bad it's been a bad season if uh, this is the worst game <laughs> i don't know what to say but uh yeah the chiefs get the win some ugly plays in it but uh yeah we'll see we'll see um how the broncos kind of retool this team and the offense there's a lot of question marks and a lot of questions that remain to be answered but that's going to do is for the first part of our week 17 recap lots of stuff still to talk about daniel jones is a big day for the new york giants and we have tampa bay and we've tom brady having a pretty big i mentioned at the start of the show second half we've Austin Eckler to talk about lots of stuff to get through we'll be doing that on our recap show We will probably over the next uh, couple of weeks have a potentially slightly different cadence so obviously we're getting into the playoffs we'll be into the off season then we will have lots of shows coming your way so make sure you do subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get all those shows once they are available that will be my recommendation but we will be coming back your way with two more shows this week the recap show will come out on tuesday afternoon eastern time so make sure again you are subscribed to the road of His overtime podcast feed to get that as soon as possible if you could do us a favor drop us a written review on your favorite podcast app it does really help us out a lot with the algorithms and things of that nature but sean that is the end of today's show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marlin of course check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com happy new year once again to everybody and until we are back